0: teach them. I thought I told you not to look back. Slay me doctor. What? I'm blind. Slay me now. It is the fate of the old and crippled. dispersal caused by the flash. Your eyes have changed color. You can stop blinking now. Let's go. What color are they? Blue. Aye, though we're hunting high and low. Unhunted hunted everywhere. What? The Ballad of Flannan Isle by Wilfred Gibson. Who? Wilfred Gibson. I though we hunted high and low, and hunted everywhere, the three men's fate, we found no trace, in
1: any time, in any place,
0: but a door ajar, and an untouched meal, and an overtoppled chair.
1: Welcome back to Who and Company. I'm Brent. And I'm Drew. This month,
2: we're taking a slight break from our regular format to bring you a very special interview with one of our favorite Doctor Who companions. She's a writer, an actor, and director. It is the incomparable Louise Jameson.
1: She kindly gave me 20 minutes of her time to discuss her career
2: and a few hints as to what she's working on
1: now. Drew and I will also be discussing the recent and unearthly convention where that very interview took place and what makes our friend, showrunner Ken Deep's conventions a lot different than most Doctor Who cons. And all of that, coming up right after this.
0: Are the mechanical men friendly? Robots don't have feelings. It's the people they serve we must hope are friendlier. Perhaps there are no people here. What? Robots don't need chairs, and certainly not padded ones. Because they have no feelings?
1: Well, so as we record this, yesterday was Thanksgiving. Today is Black Friday. We also have uh, a special ten dollar series eleven Doctor Who on DVD at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, how's your Black Friday going?
2: You know what I do on on Black Friday? What's that? I spend no money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ref- we refuse to go shopping or spend money in any way. Uh, and the only thing I think uh, we went. Uh, kind of home for the holidays which is about four hours away from where we currently live Uh, and we didn't plan accordingly as far as gas is concerned so we have spent money on both gas for the car and air for one of our tires but other than that it was a a pretty quiet quiet day for us most of it was spent traveling
1: how was your holiday man pretty good the the boys were out of town my parents were doing something it was only me my wife and her dad so we ordered out chinese food (laughs) great (laughs) for thanksgiving and, That's perfect. Uh, watched some football, and, and that was it. And last night we went shopping a little bit, so we didn't do any shopping today. Or she did. I didn't.
2: My wife's family has a tradition where they actually have Thanksgiving on Wednesday night. And then on Thursday, we get together, both her family and my family, and have Indian food. And then uh, my father and my brother and myself went to go see Knives Out, which I highly recommend. It oh, is cool. fantastic. So yeah, it's a good holiday all around. Excellent.
1: So uh, this past weekend, you went up to New York for the first annual and unearthly convention.
2: I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, LI Who was my first convention and it was my first Doctor Who convention anyway. And I I feel a real... Um it feels like coming home as far as my Doctor Who fandom is concerned. I I've been to a lot of great Doctor Who conventions. I've just been to a lot of Doctor Who con- I've been to 3 Doctor Who conventions this year. It's kind of <laughs> amazing actually. I would have been to 4. Yeah. Um well not, not talk about that one. But um <laughs> uh but this one um in Long Island has always has a which just holds a special place in my heart. Um you know, Ken Deep and his crew just put together a fabulous show and this is this was not this was not Eli Who 6. This was Eli Who Presents, an unearthly convention. It was a lot different. It was smaller. It was in a new hotel. Um, we didn't have as many guests, but I mean, it was definitely quality over quantity. Um, and of course, I would never be able to go to any of these conventions if it wasn't for our, our uh, previous guests, Lee and Nathan um, of Pixel Who, who are kind enough to let me travel with them. And I... And stay with them, and and it, you know, for me, it didn't matter who was going to actually be at the con, guest wise. I got to spend some time with my friends and really nerd out, which is something I really, I feel like with this, with our whole move and everything going on with the house and a new job and new life, it's something I haven't been able to really do. Right, So like the Doctor Who isn't on the television, mm-hmm. and without with the exception of like podcasting, I've had this sort of nerd vacuum where I haven't been able to get that really giddy, excited conversation except for our monthly conversations on this podcast. Or, you know, if I guest on another podcast. But still, that's talking to somebody through Skype. It's not one-on-one contact or one-in-fifty right. contact. So taking part with panels and, and viewing trailers with a large group and uh, going uh, spending way more money than I needed to uh, in the vendor room and watching cosplay and seeing children interact with with everything that a convention holds for them all of that um it i it was a a needed
1: a needed boost for for my my nerdery yeah uh being with a community like that it just makes it a whole different experience
2: well you know that's the thing too uh, you know i've liked doctor who for a while but it wasn't until i became a part of doctor who fandom that i really appreciated what it means to have a fandom Uh, and, and Dr. Who fans when they're being pleasant to one another and, uh, they're the best. They're just the absolute. I just love them to bits. And I got to see a lot of people that I, I know only through fandom, through podcasting, through the internet and just to be with them and spend some time with them face to face, um, both past and hopefully future guests on our program. Um, yeah,
1: it was really good. I really, um, I had a ball. What what do you think makes this convention different than most other Doctor Who related conventions?
2: Well, I think one there's a certain pedigree um and not not to say like you know being fancy about it, but uh the nice thing is that Ken and his guys uh guys and gals who were kind of running that program, they've been doing it for a while. And you know, Ken and Company <laughs> Ken and Company um <laughs> have uh They've, because they've been doing it for a while, they're friends with a lot of the guests. And because of the smaller setting, it's really intimate. And I think the guests are very comfortable. I think the 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 attendees are also very respectful of the guests. So there wasn't a time where I didn't see, you know, turn a corner in, in this hotel and just see the actual Dr. Who guests having one-on-one conversations with somebody. Or right. before the interview started, chatting with the audience, or after spending some time, or or just watching Katie
1: Manning chasing small children and potentially stealing <laughs> them, because that's what Katie Manning do. Uh, right. Uh, but Ken is a is a podcaster himself, so I've always heard that his conventions are really podcaster-friendly.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, Ken, uh, L, the first L.I. Who that I went to, which was L A 2, really spoiled me, because, you know, day one – Essentially, even before the, the the first day of the convention, I got a message saying, "Hey, listen, we're doing a special thing for podcasters. We're giving you a chance to take a five minute interview with our guests. Who do you want to talk to?" And um, at the time when I was doing um, a GPR, uh, I hadn't talked with anybody before, and we were a video, we were less of a podcast and more of a kind of a YouTube show. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, anyone who is willing to be videotaped." So you know that first. That first L, uh, L I that I went to for a different podcast is all available, I think, on YouTube. And so you can see me interviewing Terrence Dix and, and Yiji So and Daphne Ashbrook and, and Wendy Padber. And, and I mean, like, it, it just goes on and on and on, Colin Baker. Um, and I am i have this, like, stupid look on my face. I think I interviewed <laughs> nine people in two hours because um, I couldn't believe my luck. And I have never been to another con that had that available to us as press, as podcasters. Who mm-hmm. um, Lanta was very kind enough to allow us to, um, the press to come in early before the con on a Saturday and just interview the guests, but it wasn't one-on-one. So it was as a group, uh, which is still better than any other con that I've done, um, aside from L.I. So mm-hmm. that was really great. This year, because of the size of it and because there isn't it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday con, just a Saturday, Sunday con, there was not that, um, special event for the press. But mm-hmm. uh, Ken said, listen, we, we know you. Uh, we know that you're going to be respectful. If you can talk to any of the PAs for the guests ahead of time and set something up, uh, then you have my permission to interview everybody as long as they're cool with it. And um, I, I wrote to a couple of folks. I didn't hear back, which I'm not surprised by, just because it was less than a week before the con and, uh, you know, it was a little tricky. But as soon as I mentioned it, uh, I approached Louise Jameson and said, hey, you know, I, I wrote you guys about a, a week or so ago. Do you would you be interested in maybe doing it? And Louise is like, yes, you just let me know when we have some free time. <laughs> um, and it was a very it was a packed con. Like I um, I think I was on five or six panels. Uh, there was something going on late into the evening. Louise had interviews that she did amazing interviews. Oh, you know, I'd met her only once before at Hulanta a year or so ago. Uh, and and as you and I have mentioned many times, she is absolutely one of our favorite companions, mm-hmm. just of all time. And I really felt like if I had to talk to one guest, if I could only sit down for one individual, it was going to have to be Louise because we had Helen Goldwyn on, we had Jane Slavin on, we've had uh, these women who have worked with Louise um, and we've talked with them this year and it really felt like was sort of like the rule of three. This would sort of cap that theme that we had going on with this this season uh, of Who and Company. And she made it as easy as possible for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, I think what we'll do is, let's go ahead, we'll jump to that interview now, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the convention when we come back. I I just want to let folks know that uh, because of the size of this con, um, the hotel that we were at was under... Heavy, heavy construction. Um, uh, it, it definitely looked like the set of Paradise Towers. So, <laughs> there were some really uh, Andy Hicks put some great props up, um, over the soda machines he put Fizz Aid anyway. Uh, because of the kind of deconstructing this, well, the here we go. The hotel was regenerating essentially. Um, and because of that, there were not a lot of open, smaller, private rooms for us to talk in. So we went to the adjacent restaurant. So there is a little bit of noise in the background. But um, thanks to directional mics and uh, editing uh, and uh, Louise Jameson, who has an amazing speaking voice, uh, I think it came out pretty good. So let's go ahead and listen to that now. <laughs> Welcome to Who and Company. It's November 23rd. It's Doctor Who Day.
0: It is. Uh, it's it a birthday. It is. it
2: is. It's the birthday. 56th anniversary of Doctor Who today. <laughs> and we are here with a special guest, Louise Jameson. Welcome to Who and Company. Thank you very much for having me. So uh, how's your con going so far?
0: Really good. Yeah? I mean, you've just caught me like a couple of hours into it.
2: Sure, of course.
0: But it's been non-stop. And uh, yeah, That's I right. love these kind of cons because they it's about 500 guests, I think. Yes. So it's not so small that people feel awkward. It's not Mm -hmm. so big that people get lost. Uh, Everybody seems to know each other. Yeah. The marvelous Ken Deep is running it. He he, is great. And it comes from the top, you know, Mm because he loves the show, and that and it's not about making money. And that just filters its way through into the convention. So it's a great. It's a really lovely one.
2: This. Khan has always felt like kind of family and yeah, coming yeah, home. Yeah. And even though it's a 12 hour drive for me, it's it's you know, why not? Why and wouldn't it's you
0: Thanksgiving as well, isn't yeah, it, yeah. this week. So yeah,
2: so you know it's it, it, it's it's like box. family. It's a, it's our Doctor Who family. It's yeah. a perfect day to do this. Yeah. Um, so we were just kind of curious um, as to any projects that you're you're currently working on that you <laughs> want to talk <laughs> yeah. about that you can sorry that you can talk about.
0: Yeah. Okay, so um, I'm in a kids TV series. Oh my god which is called The Secret Life of Boys. That's on iPlayer at the minute and it airs on CBBC Mm -hmm. next Wednesday. And I I play an ordinary granny, but the joy of the show is that you dip in, there are four boys, uh, and you dip into their imagination. So whatever they see me as, I become. So I I rock up on Harley Davidson and Mary Poppins. I have slush thrown over me. I'm an alien at one point.
2: Does it uh, require a lot of makeup?
0: Loads of makeup. And like, and they're all little half-page scenes. Oh, nice. So unusually, they're, they're throwing a bit of money at something. You know, because that's a lot of work. That, mm-hmm. You know, it can take a whole morning to do the makeup, go in, film the, whatever the little bit of imagination is, wipe it all off again. You know, that can be three, four, five hours' work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet the BBC are still, are still doing it. You know, they really always have believed in the education of children. And I love this show because it addresses things like teenage breakups, senses of identity, bullying. It addresses all those issues. They're a, so important. Yeah, in a in a storytelling form. Uh, and I think I think you kind of have a duty to do Sure. That. Do
2: you like working with uh, younger actors? I do,
0: I love. I love working with I like working with naughty teenagers. That's yes. what I love working
2: with. <laughs> Now, do you find that you join in their pranks or do you find that you sometimes are the target of their pranks?
0: I mix and match.
2: You mix and match, however (laughs) it goes. Do you ever come up with the the pranks yourself and see if you can convince them to do them? No, I'm actually
0: rather a good girl. Yes, okay. Way, way back when. In fact, when I was doing Doctor Who, Pennant Roberts said to me, most directors are looking for one less problem. Mm -hmm. It's like the talent almost comes second. Mm. And he said, you've... You've, you've got both he said to me bless him yeah
2: that's nice yeah that's nice. nice yeah well what else are you working on
0: um I'm not sure I'm allowed to talk about this oh yet, gotcha okay but I'd like to
2: this won't go out until the 31st of the month or well the whatever the last day of November is so if there's something that's airing out beforehand
0: okay so I, I'll give you a little, a little taste I've, Love just it. Done, I've just done a pilot for a sitcom uh, and Amanda Redmond's in it we play sisters Whoa. but I can't Quite tell you what the premise is Fine. yet, but we had and the night before I did the shoot. Well, I, it was only five-day shoot.
2: Okay.
0: The night before I did the shoot, I ran into one of my neighbours, who's um, a community theatre director. Mm-hmm. He works with anybody and everybody. Everybody's here to play a part. That's his motto. Mm-hmm. And he gathers in communities. He finds a local story, and then they perform it. And I absolutely adore him. And he and I both worked with the master of improvisation called Terry Johnston. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: He taught me at Rada. And uh, John Oram, my neighbor, uh, had worked with him way back in the day. We would just, we met on a dog walk in the evening. And he said to me, uh, I was reminded today of a quote from Terry, uh, which is, which is, make everybody else look as good as you can possibly make them look and I thought what else that's a really interesting way to approach your work mm-hmm. so i went in the next day thinking i'm going to i'm going to just put this into practice and i had the best five days it was like that that i don't know that goodwill kind of i mean it was there from everybody mm-hmm. it just spread around the company nobody was competitive nobody was you know, and we were working under pressure, we were getting sure. an enormous amount done in five. Five because days. it's a pilot, yeah. mm-hmm. they don't throw much money at it, you sure. Know? And uh, and it went so well, I'm touching four mica here. <laughs> 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 uh, it looks like we might be going for another series, so it would just be
2: wonderful news. So, when does that pilot air? Do we know January, mid January? Okay, so they
0: were going to put it out at Christmas, but there's a lot of competition at Christmas, Christmas so it's tough. And I think January is a great month to air something new. People are broke; they're all in watching yeah. the television. Uh, they need a laugh, mm-hmm. you know. They need the family's gone home, all the arguments are over.
2: <laughs> so, is it safe to say this is a funny program? Yeah, it is. Okay, it's very
0: funny. I think it's very yeah. funny. beautifully
2: written. Well, That's yeah. good. I'm glad to hear that. We had um, Helen Goldwyn on a couple of months ago oh, on our podcast, yeah, and uh, we talked about making faces. Yeah, and uh, uh, that was really kind of a treat. Um, are you... Anyone that you're looking forward to working with in the, the on upcoming year or so that you can mention? Well, Helen
0: and I uh, worked together last week. Oh, really? Uh, doing two more episodes of Atta Girl. Yes! Uh, which are going to be launched on Women's International Day. I don't know if you have that here, March the 8th.
2: Uh, okay, This is. I feel really, really bad. I'm... Sh- we probably do. It's well, let we it's, do. It's, we do now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so March the eighth. Uh, so you, you've got May the fourth be with you, and then right. four days later, we've got uh, two more episodes of Article. Helen's written one. I've written one. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, and I directed them, and she produced and We're just a team now.
2: I'm st- I'm still behind. Like I've I've been I've been slowly Amy. like kind of catching up, but mm-hmm. really enjoying. It. It's one of those. Uh, the stories that I really like sharing with my wife. Yeah. So, like, I think it's one. Of the, I'm looking forward to those quite a bit. Good. One of the things that we do when we have a guest on our program is we ask them to talk about something that, well, and they can be involved with. We always bring someone we know through Doctor Who. I mean, that's sort of our, our connection here. Uh-huh. But we we really ask what things that you're watching, like television, like entertainment, that media. If do you have time. Not really. I'm I'm going through the box
0: set of Modern Family. Uh huh. Uh, this Is Us is, yes. is waiting underneath that so you can see the kind of thing I like yeah you know, of course something I can yeah, everybody's got a crazy family haven't right. they something I can identify with and laugh well, along with is there
2: a character on those shows that you identify with in particular
0: I think I'm probably a mixture of the sister-in-laws you know yeah. slightly long-suffering and rather eccentric <laughs> and out there Well, there's nothing wrong with that right mix. yeah no like, not that's, that's at all.
2: there's sort of a joy you know pride to claiming that well
0: it's your um It's your... I can't swear, can I? You can. Can I? Absolutely. Okay, so it's your fucked-upness, I think, that that can make people attractive. Yeah. I always think performing is like, it's part brothel, part chapel. Uh Uh-huh. You know, you have to treat it with great respect, but it's also quite sort of sexy and daring Mm -hmm. and bold and... Uh, so that's the mi- that's the mixture. That's the dichotomy. you want a good energy,
2: right? Yeah. And you know, there's 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 uh, there's this energy in the heart, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's this energy with the body. And that's and the, the
0: that's the Shakespeare energy, yeah. isn't it? Because he writes he writes from the heartbeat. Yeah. It's just a heartbeat there. That's why he's so brilliant.
2: Have you done Shakespeare? Have you I performed?
0: finished uh, Macbeth on Wednesday night. I've oh, been performing goodness. in Macbeth. How was that? It was fantastic. Who do you play? I played Duncan. Really? Yeah. But that Queen Duncan. We didn't oh. do gender blind. We made Duncan a queen. Okay. Uh, so I was dead within three scenes. <laughs> it was fine.
2: So when you die... Uh, in a Shakespeare program, do you then just go home? Do you stay and watch the rest of the show? Do you? Well,
0: they say if you're done before the interval, you can go home, except right. for the first and last nights. But now I'm a bit of a, for want of a better word, a bit of a name.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you're kind of duty bound to stay for the curtain.
2: And so you, you do that. Yeah. So I do
0: my writing in the second half. It was fine. Nice. Yes. Yeah, oh, fine. that's wonderful.
2: Do you find that being in that atmosphere helps to promote the, your writing? Do you like? Does that kind of fire off, or?
0: I think no. I need for the very initial stages i need unlike some writers i need a tidy room i need everything sorted i need because i I live in a mess I'm sure. not a tidy person well you're a writer but then but then when I write I think oh I really really have to tidy this room anything to start right uh, stop the it, process
2: oh so uh, it's not the it, ritual it, to get it started no, it's, it's I tell story. myself it is yeah. <laughs> it's your way to procrastinating. Like of
0: avoiding I can't I can't get. and of course once I get going it's great yeah but that initial beginning mm. before what I call the vomit drafts. yes
2: blah, yeah Vomit on the page is yes, your, your yeah. shitty first draft?
0: And then I can do the other work, the, right. the editing and the tidying up and that. But that vomit draft has to be done just me.
2: Do you find that uh, when, I call it the vomit draft too, it's like it's absolutely, yeah, yeah. you've got to get it on Blech. the page, you've just got to get it out of there. Do you find that you write a lot more than you need to and yeah. then pare it down? Is yeah. that the, the way you exactly work with that,
0: it? That, yeah. yeah. My um, ex-husband is an artist and mm-hmm. he said ideally he would paint his picture, put it away for six months. Bring it out, mm-hmm. see what was wrong with it, and um, it, and it was always the best bit. That was mm-hmm. right. like you have to kill your babies mm-hmm. to make it work
2: properly. Yeah, yeah. Do
0: you write? You sound like you know I, really know I, what I'm So about.
2: I don't consider myself a writer, but I have written. Right? Like, does right. that make does that make sense? It like does. I I uh, I have so many deadlines right now that that need to get done, and I need to work on them. <laughs> Do you tidy your room first? <laughs> so we just moved into a new house. This is not information that the listeners have to care about at all. We just moved into a new home, and right. so like. Everything is boxes. The basement flooded, so we lost a bunch of stuff, and so we have the construction workers, and I don't have a chair for my office. I don't have a desk for my office. And so, like, I've been sitting at the, at the, Sorry, the computer writing, and, you know, I've got 15,000 words on here, and it's probably none of it's good. But uh, over December, I'm just going to dedicate myself to, to writing. So, yeah, I've, I've done it. And I'm, I'm definitely, like, put too much information in there and then find the parts that you like and put them in there. I don't we even did. write. Linearly, Like, I just, I write scenes that I like, and I figure out ways, places to put them. Right. But when I first started writing, I was reading, um, do you know, the, are you familiar with the writer Tom Robbins? Um, Half a Slipped Frog Pajamas, Still Wife of Woodpecker, no, uh, Jitterbug so, Perfume. So well, these no. are
0: things I have to get acquainted with, He's a very
2: interesting writer. Yeah. But he says that he gets a notepad, uh, and this is the, the worst advice I'd ever gotten for a first writer. He gets a notepad, and he writes until he gets that first line perfect, and then he writes the next line. And I was like, "Oh, is that how you write? Cool! I tried that for years. It's oh, <laughs> no. not the way it works oh for anybody. It's probably you, Tim. No, no. He, and that's you can. I think read. you have
0: to do that with the strap line. hmm You have to get that completely perfect before right. you start, and then everything, everything. Then you've got a you've got a touch point. Right. For every every line. Mm-hmm. So that has to be perfect. Yeah. And then
2: write, Yeah, know. yeah. But I mean, this you know, the, or writing. So, do you find that when you're writing, um, you are writing to find where the story is going, or do you outline your stories first? I outline and then, my story first because you have a project, right, that you're yeah. working on.
0: And it might ch- it might change, mm-hmm. but I have a I have a the scaffolding up. Yeah.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. So you boop, 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 yeah, boop, yeah. scene scene beat scene beat yeah. scene beat. Yeah. Yeah. Do you when you write? Um, do you um, do all the dialogue um, out loud? Like yes. I, I figure when you're writing
0: with Helen is hilarious. I, bet, I she bet. sits she sits at the table going, Oh well I think I don't I don't agree with that. Why don't you agree with that? Uh, I, I don't agree with that because she just she plays out the whole thing I just have to sit and wait five minutes and then she goes, Yeah, that'll work. <laughs>
2: do you do improv scenes do like like okay, like, this is what we need we get from here to here and then like take on those roles of the characters and kind of just talk to one another and go, you know we like that, but like
0: We've got a project at the moment, uh, a TV series, uh-huh. uh, that we are that we want to pitch to Netflix, actually. Oh.
2: Um,
0: and I, I can't tell you what it is. No, of course it's, not. it's too good an idea to put out there. <laughs> um, but I've, I've written the first scene, and the first scene is exactly what happened with Helen and I. I mean, she, bless her heart, she came to see me in a play called Vincent River, which mm-hmm. is a Philip Ridley play. It's very, very dark. Um, it starts with a woman inviting a young boy into her flat, and he's been stalking her. That's how. You, so you hit the ground running, right? Um, and she came to see it, and she, as she, we walked back to the station. She burst into tears. Bless her heart. She went, "God, that was so moving, and you are so wonderful." And I go, "And I'm just so pleased that we're friends." And she was just, it was just the loveliest thing. And it's completely mutual. I think she's one of the most talented people I've ever met, and I. We've kind of got a mother-daughter kind of relationship going, I think. Um, And big, big, fond friends. Anyway, I wrote that... I exaggerated that scene. Mm -hmm. And I wrote it down, and it made her hoot with (laughs) (laughs) laughter.
2: Well, I was going to ask
1: what her reaction to it was.
0: She absolutely adored it. And she said... um, She said, it gave me goosebumps. And that's how how she knows when Mm -hmm. she's writing well. She literally gets goosebumps. And I... I kind of love that. She's got that little physical signal inside her that something's right. Mm.
2: Yeah. As a writer, do you, when you are uh, interacting with a conversation that you feel like it might actually be inspire some of that work, is that, is that like what goes through your head? I should, I should remember this for later. Yeah. It's kind of hard sometimes to live in the moment where you're yeah. like, ooh, I could use this. Can I have that? This is juicy. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> can I have that? I find my, my signal is my um, heartbeat goes up, literally mm. races when it's working. Well, yeah, I, I am. Um, I had to kill somebody off in a scene, and I'm going to name drop now. Um, Please do. Russell T. Davis is in my uh, mobile, and I just texted him and going, is it, is it right that I'm crying? kind of new to this and I was sobbing as this character died but yeah it's absolutely right so you've got to laugh at your own jokes get angry with people that you're furious with and, and cry when somebody dies completely so you have
2: you have your own group where as you're writing if you get really excited about something you've written it's like do you you immediately go like get in touch with someone and just go listen I wrote this scene I want you to listen to it what do you think of this I think I've I've hit this right like is that you find like I have um,
0: my dear dear friend Nigel Mm -hmm. that, who I also co-write with Right. and I wrote a play recently and I sent it to him and I was really proud of it I thought it was wonderful and he he went out to lunch and I was going well you know what do you Mm -hmm. think he went what are you trying to say? Right. Oh, that's such a good question. Mm-hmm. Such a hard question. I hadn't done the strat line. I mm. hadn't done the strap line. Gotcha. And it was, it was woolly. I mean, each speech was like fine in its own context, but throw it all together, and it doesn't. It didn't kind of arrow. There was no spearhead to it.
2: Would you then take one of those and maybe save it? I know I've, I've, I've talked with writers who are like, I get these ideas. And I write them on scraps of paper, and I put them in a drawer. I might not be able to use it for them. So sometimes, when I've got the writer's block, or I just don't know what to do with the next project, I open the drawer, um. I dump everything out on my bed, and I just look at ideas. You know, like maybe, maybe that idea. I don't even know where that connection is. And You're I look,
0: a oh. writer. You have to. You have to claim the title. <laughs> That's um. Once upon a house on fire. Mm-hmm. I'm so ashamed. I can't remember who wrote it.
2: I uh, would look it up. We have the internet. We can look it up, but it's okay.
0: It's a really, really terrific writer. She had a very troubled childhood, uh, and I got to interview her for mm-hmm. um, BBC. And I'd been doing EastEnders, so this is about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd only had time to read one book. And they rang me out and they said, Do you know this book, Once Upon a House? And I went, Yes, i did. Yes, just okay. It's the only book. I'd, so I sounded like some huge literary buff that mm-hmm. I'd managed to So I then interviewed her and she was writing this book. It's, it's autobiographical, mm-hmm. even though you, she's put it as a fantasy, but it is her story. Mm-hmm. She, every time she had a memory, she wrote it on a card and put it in a shoebox. Uh, she was doing her master's at Oxford. So she needed Oxford or Cambridge, Oxford, I think. And uh, she needed to get that out of the way. And then she said, the second that was done, she pulled all the curtains, she put on the fire, she got all the shoeboxes out, and she spread the floor with these memories and put them into chronological order. Started to write the story. And all the friends were going, "Come on, you've got a double first or whatever it was. You've got to come out and celebrate." She went, "No, I'm six years old at the moment. I can't do anything but write the story." that's wonderful it's wonderful it's a wonderful book it's, it's hard read it's a hard read
2: I, I'll be honest I, I haven't been able to read hard reads in a while yeah I, 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 I've I'm at a point in my life where I think I, I have not watched many dramas just because I what I want right now what I need right now is to be entertained yes yes and to to live in a, a fantasy world rather than to be introverted and, and, and self-reflexive
0: I think you've got to kind of do every other one, really.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, you get those moments, and when you get those moments sometimes, it's sort of like like binging a Netflix show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get into it. That's what you want to do. This is your life right now. Yeah. You're going to watch, you know, eight episodes in the next two days. Yeah. I do the same thing with movies. It's like, I'm in the mood for um, middle-century Japanese cinema. I'm just going to watch (laughs) nothing but that, because I think you can exist in that world, and you can appreciate it. Maybe that's what you need to get those ideas moving you know like inspired do, do you yeah. get to watch or read to inspire you to write well I found
0: years and years very Russell T Davis's mm-hmm. latest series really really <laughs> inspirational and but it kind of made me feel I'm not a writer <laughs> do you know it's so brilliant right so detailed so well observed and frightening funny everything the series should be you know but I um it, it's a tough watch. Yeah. It is a tough
2: watch. I've heard nothing but amazing things oh, about it. It's and amazing. it's one of those where, like, it just, you gotta get it. You gotta yeah. get it, and you gotta find it, and you gotta be able to sit down and prep, you gotta prep yourself to watch it. Yeah, yeah. And I am not there.
0: And it was only, I could only watch one. I couldn't binge. I did one a night. I did mm-hmm. an episode a night. I couldn't do a...
2: Do you find that when you watch or read something that, um, tr- I mean, it triggers might not be the right word, but it gives you that emotional kind of, um, hit? Yeah. That you have to watch or read something that, brings you down before bed like, yeah. a, like, like almost like a warm cup of tea or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. For for us it's a great bridge bake-off like we like <laughs> if we watch something that's like dramatically someone dies maybe there's a, there's a moment of crying it's like okay we're gonna watch a bake-off yeah the bake-off before bed you have a nice cup of mint tea we're gonna you know really
0: I'll do an episode of the chase probably oh nice. did you, you know do you have the chase over I'm, here I'm
2: so, I'm familiar with it, but not. It's
0: just a quiz program, yeah. you know? Just, just so I can show off to myself about.
2: Then, how would you know? Yeah. Or how little I don't.
0: Or how little I don't. No,
2: I love it. <laughs> I, 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 I ran a trivia uh, group for, for a number of years, and, uh-huh. and I love watching other people guess questions because I'm always like, I'll use that one later. We'll just rewrite <laughs> that to make it funnier or more pop culture, yeah, or yeah, put yeah. some Doctor Who in there or something along those lines. Well, I. Thank you so much for for taking this time out of oh, a very a busy convention. I'm so glad that we got a chance to talk to you yes, before you so lose might. your voice. So <laughs> <laughs> and I hope that the rest of the con goes uh wonderfully as, well for
0: as you. it has. Yeah. So I'm sure you. it will. Thank you very much. Thank you.
1: So Drew, you totally surprised me with that interview. You texted me and said that you'd get as much as you could and then you were casually like, "Oh, hey, I just got a 20-minute interview with Leese Jameson. I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, like, sadly, my, the microphone on my phone, recording microphone on my phone died uh, not too long ago, uh, during a, a move, and, um, it's a, it's really hard to interview people with a, like, a full microphone set and a laptop and all of that, um, so she was very pleasant, uh, and, and very giving of her time, which is great, because, uh, I mean, I don't know how you spent uh, Doctor Who Day on Saturday, <laughs> November 23rd, but I spent it uh, 20 minutes of it interviewing Louise Jamison, oh. So <laughs> I don't think you can get
1: much better than that,
2: no. Yeah, I mean, you have to throw in a trailer for the next season. Uh, right. But we'll we'll get to that in a moment. So and, and the thing is, you know, Louise wasn't the only guest, of course. Um, you know, Sylvester McCoy was there. Paul McGann was there. Uh, Katie Manning was there. And it was great because you'd see this line um, for autographs, and of course, people are either paying for her to get a picture with Katie or or to get her autographed. But it really felt like you were paying to get a hug from Katie, and like an autograph and picture came with the hug because <laughs> you know she'd be sitting behind a table, and and someone would, each person approached, she would get up at from behind the table, give them a huge hug, they'll go back to sitting down, and the next person come up, huge hug. I mean, I don't think anybody didn't get a hug from Katie at that con. <laughs> That's awesome, uh, and that is the way a Doctor Who convention should be. 1,500 people, maybe not everyone gets a hug. 500 people, yeah, no problem. She's got that kind of energy. And thanks to her hugs, so do we. Um, It's not a a con without Fraser Hines. Of course, Fraser Hines was there. Daphne Ashbrook was there. Um, John Leeson was there. Um, John Peel, David Howe, Sam Stone, uh, of course, Pixel Who. I mean, it it was a a really great lineup. Um, And the programming was across the board was really... um, Uh, Bill and his company guys they did a a great job setting up the programming I really I mean I got to take part in a couple of panels and and really enjoyed that Um, I got to talk a little bit about you never forget your first doctor so we got to kind of talk about what it's like to be to be introduced to Doctor Who I've got a pretty I think fairly unique Doctor Who story so that was really fun to share with people Mm -hmm. Um, I was on a panel about it called I think it was called Literally Sherlock where we just talked about um, Sherlock Holmes um, uh, literature of Sherlock Holmes, and not just Arthur Conan Doyle stuff, but um, pastiches and homages and we talked about graphic novels and, and books and it's something that I'm I'm quite passionate about and, and really enjoy. Um, but and I, I want to talk a little bit about because this was Dr. Who Day right? November 23rd. How did you you spend do you have any
1: kind of uh, November 23rd traditions? Usually, I'll watch at least one story, maybe two. Um, sometimes, not every year, but sometimes I'll watch the very first episode. Um, this year, unfortunately, I did not have time to do any of that. But uh, there's a thing that my wife and I do every year for my birthday. I um, I somehow talk her into watching an old Doctor Who episode, <laughs> or okay. story, and... Um, last year she's like could we please do a new series one next year and I'm like well okay <laughs> and so this year like I th- we're gonna start it tonight so we're a few days off uh, but we were gonna do it Saturday for the doctor who day but our, our doctor who day is a, is a week late <laughs> but uh, I thought okay here's what I'll do if I take a two-part story from the original series and and one, episode from the latest series, then that'll even out to an old show, right? An, an right like, a, sh- like a four-parter, a classic right. four-parter, sure. So I picked Black Orchid uh huh, and Midnight. Ooh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. I thought you
2: were going to go uh, Unicorn the Wasp, but yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she would really like Midnight. I mean, that to me, that was David Tennant acting that's like the height of his Doctor Who acting to me, I thought.
2: Yeah. That's one that I still haven't shown my wife yet, and I, I think she'd really like it, but I also think uh, it's not one that we can watch in the evening. <laughs> it's, it's, it, uh, it'll get under your skin, that yeah, episode, it does. which just one of the best reasons to watch it, I suppose.
1: Was there anything that you did Saturday, uh, besides a 20-minute interview <laughs> with Louise Jameson? Or something that you, or something that don't you traditionally... do
2: every year? Traditionally, I like to watch an Unearthly Child. Okay. You know, I watched that first episode, and then I usually followed it with a new series or a classic series. But I'd like to kind of start. But, uh, of course, they dropped the trailer. And, um, you know, they dropped it in the UK, UK time, in the evening. Of course, we picked it up at, like, I guess around 12 o'clock or so. Mm -hmm. Um, We were in the dealer room setting up for for the convention, and um, Keir Hansen from a different GPR um, ran up to me and goes the, tra- the trailer's dropped let's do this and so a, a group of us kind of like gathered around a cell phone and watched it which is like know, not really the best way of doing it and we watched it and we watched it again and we watched it again and um, but we knew that there was going to be a a panel called basically the Doctor Who New trailer reaction panel mm-hmm. uh, in which everybody at the convention uh, minus some people and we'll talk about those people in just a moment were going to sit around watch the trailer and then a panel we're going to discuss it. Um what they liked didn't like. um what did some of the things mean, you know, pick it apart like like fans do. Yeah. However, uh the aforementioned Kieran, and myself, um, along with Nathan Skreslet, um, Drew Walco and Jason Miller, we had a panel called Defending the Indefensible, and it was one of the best panel experiences I've had in a really long time. Um and it was essentially talking about poorly regarded Doctor Who stories and why we love them and we had talked about this a little bit rather than just defending one or two stories we came up with the idea to take the 2014 Doctor Who magazine poll where Mm -hmm. everyone voted on their favorite episodes and they ranked them because we're fans Um, (laughs) and we took the bottom 25 and it was going to be a panel a purely positive panel you know if you didn't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all but say nice things about each one Which turned out to be really nice because, you know, you take a story that isn't highly regarded, but you start saying, well, you know, but this is really, we really appreciated this about it. And it became this really kind of fun um, conversation that really sparked some ideas in the audience, which were about equal to the number of panelists, really got into it. And we had a a lot of fun with it. And it got to the point where, I think it was Jason Miller, got so... So passionate about defending one of his stories, I want to say it was Paradise Towers, but if I'm I'm wrong about that, Jason, forgive me. It it's been a long holiday since last weekend. Um, he actually so enthusiastic was his defense, and he's a lawyer. He stood up on his chair, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, great, yeah. From now on, if you have something really you really care about, you know, feel free to stand up on your chair. And like, as we went through the the bottom twenty five people were standing up and actually we got to the p- penultimate story on the list, fear her. And all five of us on the panel stood up and um, really gave a, I think a, a kind of really heartfelt defense of that story. Uh, at least certain aspects of that story that we really, really liked. Yeah. And because there's a five year gap, the next half of the the panel was essentially, what are some stories that you think the next time they do this poll will be in that, bottom 25, and why are they wrong? And and so uh, we, we spend a little bit of time, I think, um, defending uh, In the farce Soronga- of the night. <laughs> no, we did not defend In the Force of the night. Uh, I think someone said some couple of good things to say about it. But, oh, okay. um, it wasn't as passionate as, as say, Saranga Conundrum and Arachnids of the UK. We had a couple of really good defenses of those. Oh. Um, but it was really, it was just spending a lot of time being positive about stuff. And I, I it was a really fun panel for me to, to kind of take part in. I wish more people could have been there for that, but they were watching the the trailer as a group, um, and talking about that, which is something that we're going to be doing in, a, um, either we, uh, we have, we have at least one guest that we're bringing on to talk about that. And it just couldn't make it for this November episode. So it's either going to happen in our December episode or maybe uh, a special bonus episode that will drop mid-December. So I think we're like away from recording that. I don't want to give out who our guests are going to be for that just because it's still the holiday season and that might not happen. True. Yeah.
1: So what was your initial thought of uh, the trailer?
2: Um. Well, I-, I liked it. I'm excited for it. Of course I'm excited for it. It's new Doctor Who. We haven't had Doctor Who in a year. And, you know, maybe it's going to be here uh, in January. Maybe... It's not going to be here in January. Maybe it'll be a little bit later. But you know, when they say early 2020, uh, I like to stay optimistic, just like that panel. So we'll see.
1: We'll see. How about you? Uh, same. Uh, I've only seen it twice, and it looks pretty good. Honestly, yeah. uh, just looking at it, it seems about the same as last year at first glance, except for the whole "something's coming for me" line. That was yeah. That was really intriguing, and um, also that. It, it gave me the impression that maybe this season will have an arc.
2: Well, that's one of the things that they actually announced today um, was that we're going to get some two-parters in this new season and oh. we're going to have a little bit of an arc. Excellent. So, I like that. Uh, I mean, that's a personal preference for me. I, I like um, some continuity. Monster of the Week is great. Don't get me wrong. Monster of the Week is fantastic. But uh, we got that last last year and I'd like to see something a little different. So, yeah, i will get here. more to that next time, I think. <laughs> yeah. So yeah yeah the con was great um i really enjoyed it i think everyone involved with it both the guests attendees and and the staff uh just did a superlative job fingers crossed that we'll have another one next year um i know that that there aren't as many doctor who conventions as there have been in the past um i wish i could go to galley it's got such a great lineup oh yeah uh, they've announced made a couple of announcements but you know what maybe maybe 2021 so
1: yeah I'm, I'm so sad I missed the opportunity to meet uh, especially Paul McGann and Daphne Ashbrook so if they're there next year I definitely will find a way to go but, oh yeah
2: no, it'll be great to have you up there
1: and congratulations to Ken and his gang as the entire convention sold out on the weekend that's awesome it news. really did that's a great thing to have yeah that that's that's definitely um
2: fingers crossed that's hopefully that's going to make it so we can have another one. Yep. Because I'm I'm happy to drive, you know, seven hours in a car with my friends to go to a convention surrounded by more of my friends. Yes. And who knows, maybe we'll uh, we'll meet some new friends there. In fact, hey, Brent, mm-hmm. speaking of new friends, um, I just take this moment to thank everybody who contributed to the Who Schools. Yes. Um, it raised quite a bit of money. We couldn't have done it without the listeners and the support. I think... And, and Joy and everyone involved in organizing that did an excellent job with that um, and even though we didn't really make an announcement about it we thought we had such a great time offering a guest spot on our podcast last year when we had Stephen Marsh coming in talking about MSD3K uh, that we would do it again and so we gave a spot as part of a donation and it was raffled off. Liam McNicholas is our winner and he will be joining us in the future. I'm going to say probably <laughs> 2020. Right. But we'll see what happens. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to seeing, uh, talking with Liam, getting to know him and uh, talking about his pick of the month, which has, where he's given us some very interesting choices. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're kind of uh, trying to decide on which one we want to do because one or two of them, have quite a watching commitment that I have been wanting to do for years um, and that have actually been suggested by uh, fans of the show. So we'll see what happens then. Yep. And thank you for joining us on Who and Company. Who and Company, come for the fandom. Stay for the company. Thanks for joining us at Who and Company. Special shout-out to Pixel Who for providing our logo. They can be found at facebook.com slash pixelwho. Who and Company can be found on iHeartRadio.com and Spotify. Or you can download the show directly from whoandcompany.libsyn.com. Contact us on Twitter at WhoandCompany. Support the show on patreon.com slash whoandcompany. Or email us at whoandcompany at yahoo.com. Thanks, and see you next month.